Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I'm excited to hand over the mic this week to our head of recruitment at the Corker Co., Mana Bradshaw, is going to host a conversation with Sam Struen, who I met obviously through Lana. They used to work together many moons ago, and Sam has moved on to renovate, innovate his life, his offerings, and his relationship with recruitment in a really interesting way. When I spoke with both of them, it was too good of a conversation for me to not let you listen to the two of them riff together. Lana is a beautiful host who asked asks beautiful questions. This is a fun conversation and there's so much to learn and uncover from two pros who really have been in the recruitment space for decades. I want to share a spoiler. There are a lot of layoffs happening in the world right now and these two bring optimism, hope, possibility, and really great insight into how the market doesn't need to feel quite so bleak. I really hope you enjoyed this one. Good morning, everyone. It's Lana Bradshaw from the Corker Collective, head of recruitment, and I am hosting the Corker Collective's pod today, and I'm super excited to be here with my friend, Sam Struin. Hey, boss. Hey, Lana. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so pumped. It's so nice to do this with you. Do you want to introduce yourself for people who don't know who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Sam Struin. I'm, I'm based in Vancouver, BC and I'm a recruiter. I've recruited for global tech companies and executive search firms for almost 10 years now. And that's actually how Lana and I met. Lana was my first boss in the recruitment industry. And now I help people with salary negotiations for new job offers or raises at their current company. And I also write resumes for people one-on-one. That's amazing. Your skills are so needed. I talk to people all day long like you do in the recruitment space and one of the most common questions I get is can you help me with my resume and it's like the cobbler who has no shoes my answer is always no but you know who does my resume Sam (laughs) so please go and see him because his skills are amazing in that area do you remember how we met I mean I'm so flattered I forgot I was your first boss in Canada first and, and best I think you wanted to say but it's fine do you remember how we met Yes, I was actually referred to Holloway Shops and Partners, which was the firm that we both worked at. I was referred there for a part-time admin position. And this would have been my first kind of nine to five professional job. And I, you know, obviously got the job, uh, which I was very grateful for, uh, hustled. And you promoted me after eight months to a full-time position. It was the first, you said, like, as soon as I get a requisition, it's yours you kept your word and you're the reason actually I was able to stay in Canada. So I'm very grateful for it. Uh, I'm grateful too. Do you remember our first interview together? Cause I think we did some job shadowing. Do you remember any of those? Oh, I don't remember the first, but I certainly remember being in a few of them. <laughs> was it good or bad? I was grooming you, I think, to try and take over my desk at some point in time, but I have a couple of memories. You were a, bo- a bow tie, like no one's business. You rock that. I think when I was younger in my career, you kind of feel the need to dress up and present. And now I'm just in this casual polo shirt. But yes, I do remember our early interviews and shadowing. And certainly, you know, you took an approach of like an industry veteran and I was like scribbling down notes like, oh my goodness, but I don't think I could ever replicate that confidence in the early days. 
but yeah, we had, we certainly had some good fun in that place. You did, you did a good job. And now like you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur running your own show and you've only been in the biz for 10 years. Someone who's been in the biz for like 20, I think that's phenomenal. So we're going to talk a little bit about the current job market, what's happening in the state of the world these days in terms of hiring. And I'd love to talk a little bit about interviewing and resumes, but let's get started. And what's your vibe on the market right now? Yeah, absolutely. And for any listeners, the the date is November fifteenth, twenty twenty two. So in the tech world, we've recently experienced you know lots of layoffs from big companies. I think eleven thousand was you know alone from Meta or Facebook or whatever they're called nowadays. Uh, but lots of uh, media interest in layoffs and numbers and how difficult the market is. So I would say that's the general pulse right now. What I would say is that there are two statements that are both true one of them is there are companies that are laying people off right now and the other statement that's equally true is there are companies that are hiring people right now 100%. i think it's important for people to focus on the companies that are hiring like if you're laid off and you're looking for work there are absolutely companies that are hiring and it's that narrative of it sounds corny but the idea of like if you think you can't do it you're correct and if you think you can do it, you're also correct. So it's just that, that you know, I think a lot of it is mindset right now mm-hmm. and cutting through some of the noise. And it's easier to sell newspaper articles and clickbait and give people that fear, adrenaline to say 11,000 people got laid off in one company. But what is not as exciting or sexy is, yeah, the, there are lots of small businesses that are hiring. Well, it sounds very Mel Robbins of you when you're like, it depends on the filter. If we are thinking that we're going to fail, then we will. And if we're thinking we're going to succeed, then we will. And I completely agree with you. I think the tech space has been on fire for so long and we knew it was the bubble was going to burst, very similar to the housing market. We knew that they were scaling and growing at like rapid speed and it was going to end at some point in time. And it, of course, it's, it's sad to see these layoffs at Meta and at Twitter, but we also see lots of huge companies getting ready for IPO, like One Password. We see the retail space booming. We see lots of companies, small, medium, and large, that I think have prepared for this moment that we knew was coming. And we can't just let the tech market lead the way. I think what we need to do is focus on everyone else that's using this as an opportunity, because when there's some crisis, there's also opportunity. So that's what I would like to talk about, because I'm busy. Good. at the Corker Co. And you're slammed. I know that you are because you're, it's hard to get into your calendar. But do you want to talk a little bit about more how your interviewing style has changed in this market? How are you feeling in terms of the candidate vibe, the people that you're speaking to that are looking for work? Because when I'm speaking to people, there's, again, two camps. There's some people who are a little bit trepidatious and they're nervous because we've just gone through COVID. And now everyone's having cold and flu season and there's whispers about COVID again, and that's its own separate podcast. And then there's candidates who are like, well, I don't want to quit my job because I want to get the package. And then there's other candidates that I talk to. I probably talk to six people a day. You're probably similar. And the other half are like, oh no, I think this is incredible. This is a great opportunity as a candidate for me to leverage my skill set and as a hiring manager for me to snap up all this great talent that's getting laid off from Meta. <laughs> I just had to like two people from there last week. 
Yep, it's definitely one of the oddest markets that I've seen. You have obviously the narrative that there are lots of layoffs in the market. And then you've got individuals who are reluctant to move because they perceive starting a new job as risky. And if they have tenure, they don't want to leave in this market. And there's just all these different factors that just make it a really odd market. I would say that, you know, interviewing in this time, somewhat similar to what I mentioned earlier about, you know, the market being good, if you look at it in a certain way. I think regardless of how poorly the macro economy is or the general sense of hiring right now, usually when the wider industry is doing poorly, it doesn't mean that everyone is decimated. It just means that there are certain micro economies that get more attention or grow more than others. The thing that I bring up often is there are still 8 billion people in the world that need goods and services. That demand for food, agriculture, all of those things just don't change and they obviously have a knock-on effect on things. So, you know, the number of people in the world hasn't changed and neither it would, will demand for certain industries. It's more about identifying those industries, those micro-economies that are doing well and gravitating towards those rather than looking at the market as a whole and thinking, oh, the market is down. It's not. For people that understand their value and also have a strategy for going after those markets, leveraging their strengths, understanding what their unique value proposition is, those individuals will find work faster than anyone else. You bring up so many valid points there that I can't remember all of them, but the first one was control your career. You know this better than everyone. You can control that narrative and you can control how you want your career to look moving forward. So this type of a market is an opportunity to do that and to shift gears. I just was candidate coaching someone last week who said, I'm in tech, I haven't been laid off, I don't work for any of these big giants, but I'm still in the space, but now I'm nervous. I've always wanted to leave tech, I'm just kind of over it, I'm feeling burnt out, I wanna try something new. What industries should I pivot to that are relevant with my tech background? So we had a whole dialogue about that, which I thought was really interesting. And I'm just mentioning that because I think it's a really great example where we can use this market to pivot and to make changes. You know, back in the day, we used to change our jobs like how many times in a career? Five or six. And these days I feel like, no offense, but like your generation, you've only ever done like one job so far. And I'm like, oh, buckle up, like ready for a ride and you should embrace it. You can switch industries, you can switch roles and you should, it's kind of like dating. Well, Absolutely. You want to make sure you have a fair amount of dating experience before you find a marriage, if that's their goal. But no, I do think it's important to switch careers early on. I've adopted the approach where I've actually switched careers early on, you know, every one or two years. There's a few reasons. I get bored very easily. I look for new opportunities to learn different skill sets, different industries. But every time that you look for another job, you get the chance to renegotiate your package. You get to reinvent yourself. And for me and for many other people in the industry, that's the only way they've been able to make significant salary increases, you know, like double their salary within two years is by switching careers. Hot tip. I like that. Don't worry, I'm gonna stay in the recruitment space. I've been doing this for too long. I don't think I can do anything else. <laughs> I think in this market, you know, when it comes to interviewing and resumes, the key things when it comes to interviewing is, you know, I think the, the standard advice applies, like do your research, prepare, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the, the key thing I would advise people in today's market is if you go in with a lack mindset that it's really tough and there's 5,000 other people wanting this job, like that's gonna play in your mind in the interview. 
and employers want to see from candidates that they can confidently tackle business problems, are confident in their skills and their expertise. And I think that's super important in a market that's quite volatile is really approaching the interview and realizing what your worth is. And that's somewhat kind of what I do with, with resumes is helping people uncover their actual worth, their objective value to an organization and bringing that lens so that they can go into interviews confidently. Similar in the resume, the resume, similar advice is just going in objectively and you know applying your experience but also in this market like you said lana the ability to pivot is very much an opportunity for a lot of people i recently worked with someone who about a year ago tourism was down because of the pandemic and they didn't want to be in tourism but they'd been in the tourism for over 10 years and felt that was all that they knew but what when we worked together what we identified was tourism is a very cyclical business you've got certain peaks and lows and another industry that has high peaks and lows is the agriculture industry. You've got harvest and sow season, and then in between, it's not as busy. So that itself is a skill set, being able to prep for massive peaks, but also on in the downtime, long-term strategic planning or project management for the following year. I have none of that experience of working in a cyclical business that requires mega ramp up in two seasons and then also mega strategic planning in the down season and they were able to pivot to agriculture by doubling down on that skill set and that's something that i you know work with candidates one-on-one -on -one with but also just wish more people would understand that or be able to apply that lens to themselves is your transferable skills aren't communication and strategy there are also these other business setups in terms of scope or the structure of an organization that's genius well done. That's a lot of what I do in my candidate coaching at Corker Co. But I'm glad that you can put it down onto paper because you hit on a couple of really important things there. One, know your worth, but two, also know what you're really great at. When I'm talking to candidates, it's what do you love to do and that you want to keep on doing and invest the next couple of years in? And what are you really great at? And if you can't answer those two questions, you should probably not look for work at this present time. <laughs> you need to get your ducks in a row. Figure out what you want to keep doing. Figure out what industries pique your curiosity. Know, like know what you are excellent at. Be able to give me that elevator pitch really quickly. I am at the executive table and I am excellent at one, two, three. Now you have a bit of a roadmap in terms of where can I go from here? What can I do with these skills? And where else does it mesh? I think the agricultural piece is really cool. That was fun. And I was thinking project management the whole time that you were talking would be good. And also, you know what's interesting is in recruitment, we do have peak seasons. It's in the accounting space. Just want to say, it's interesting to have a conversation with you or, or with me on the coaching side in terms of how can we get out of our own heads because we're great at what we do and we know how to do it and get into that vulnerable space of, well, what else could I do? I'd love to kind of skip over, if you don't mind, to some of your interviewing tips and resume tips since we're here and, and we've got so many juicy nuggets. Do you have any like interview do's and don'ts and resume do's and don'ts? And I was asked recently about cover letters and I said, oh, they're antiquated. No, don't bother. Do you agree? 
I agree on the cover letters being antiquated. Absolutely. I never, I have not asked for them as a recruiter for many years, if at all, partly because I was just lazy and didn't want to read them. But in my last <laughs> number of roles, I've never asked for cover letters. In lieu of a cover letter, what I've asked for is just two screening questions. So that's on the recruiter side. I won't go down that too much because that wasn't the question. You're multifaceted. So if you have comments on recruitment, I have my pen ready and I'm ready to steal all of your IP. <laughs> happy to happy to give it away interviewing and resume tips i think interviewing there's no standard rule in the sense that most interviews that i've been on or heard or you know observed have been absolute shambles there's no science to it and they're largely subjective unfortunately so i think you know on the candidate side of things like being able to be really objective about your experience objective you know obviously being able to measure certain things i always apply it in terms of time money team and scope those are the four things that i teach candidates and apply through interviewing and resumes in the sense that you know the things that really translate and are indisputable are if you did something in a particular time you know like i launched that in three months mm -hmm. that's objective and no one can misinterpret that time frame money also you know how much money did you make manage save also objective time money team you know like if you worked in a team of 20 versus if you worked in a team of 200 those mm -hmm. things are objective and scope you know did you recruit in bc or did you recruit across canada that would be referred to scope those things are objective and when you build those foundations when your interview and your resume it makes it very clear what your value is mm -hmm. so i think interviewing you know you're going to get asked stupid questions you're going to come up with uh, people who are on power trips people who are inexperienced but if you have those four pillars or some form of guideline which is objective you'll be able to push through most interviews styles so that's like interviewing 101 is like time money team and scope like know your background inside out because it doesn't matter what question that you get asked you'll be able to bring some value to that and clarity to that conversation yes the quantifiable data is so key and i see that missing from resumes so often even an interview question they have a hard time answering it i've had a hard time answering it and you have coached me and you said really i've also had a hard time answering <laughs> some interview questions until i kind of like apply you know or if i've not prepared as much as i should have which still happens you know life happens but yeah certainly having a strong foundation of time money team and scope in your interview but also your resume like it really helps mm -hmm. and i see often a lot i'm an analytical thinker with strong leadership skills as an example and i'm like that's great why how like these buzzwords seem sexy on a resume but it's pretty basic i'd rather get way more personal and way more deep in terms of analytical thinker okay awesome but can you give me an example as to why i said that to someone recently in an interview and he could not answer me and i was like well what does analy analytical thinking look like for you also, he could not answer me. So I was like, well, then we need to take that out of your resume. And it's not that I'm trying to gaslight him. It's just, it's okay if you're not, or if you can't answer that, what do you bring to the table? And let's talk a little bit about that. So that's interesting. Thinking about our, some of our interviews. <laughs> I remember one with you. Do you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I remember quite a few. Which one are you referring to? Gum so chewing? Came? Oh, gum oh, chewing. Oh, snap. Okay, <laughs> That's right. I remember. Are you chewing gum? <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I, that person started sweating. Well, that's definitely an interview. Don't is gum chewing. That's pretty basic, but you'd be surprised. 
how are you finding yeah. interviewing on Zoom? Because I'm imagining so many of your sessions, your clients are over Zoom. Are you 100% remote in Zoom? Correct. Yes, I work are, with clients 100% on Zoom. Sorry, how are you preparing candidates for interviewing on Zoom? And I had a situation recently where the candidate was very introverted and had to interview panel with a leadership team of six, which I mean, for you and me would be like, giddy up this is amazing this is like the carnival for us but for someone who's a bit more shy it was torture so how are you preparing your interviews differently because they're over zoom and it's a little bit weird like i have been on zoom obviously as long as everyone else since the pandemic but i find it so awkward still i don't love it it's a little bit stressful being on camera and then to interview on a panel how do you shift gears to educate candidates so that they can nail the interview still, even with all these like technical glitches and Zoom and kids running across in front of you and the dog barking and all of these things. How are you juggling that? Yeah, absolutely. I would say it's a smaller part of what I do, but I've certainly advised on interview coaching and setup. And I've asked clients to somewhat show up as you would for the interview. So, mm -hmm. you know, come with that lens. And they have, and some of them are great, but others, um, there's a light behind them and I can barely see them or there's shit all over their apartment or, you know, they're, they're in their kid's room and it, and, and it looks really awkward. So I'm like, no, just have a plain background. Some people just inherently know, but others need a little bit more coaching on it. That's it. I think, you know, if there's dogs and kids background, like I think just being unfazed by it, I think showing panic and, and worry over those things is going to look poorly than just kind of being relaxed about it. I think most people are used to that as well. Anyone that's going to judge a candidate for having a little bit of background noise or a little one walking in or a dog, I think that's just a little bit harsh in, in today's world. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not a big deal. And finally, when it comes to panel interviews, one of the biggest things that I've always said to candidates is when it comes to panel interviews, I would say 90% of panels don't know what they're doing. Like they've shown up, they've been asked to show up, Panel interviews I actually enjoy because I know I can either direct the interview or I know that they're going to not squabble between them, but be a little bit rocky. So actually <laughs> yeah. panel interviews make me feel a little bit more comfortable. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about it with that filter. I really appreciate that. They can be stressful, but I think with the right prep, which you would do in terms of the resume, because I bring a resume to the panel interview because I like to reference it. And I like to see what they're seeing. So I think if you have the foundation of a really strong resume and you know your worth, then you're set up for the best success to land any interview and a panel interview for that matter. So it starts with you and ends with me. <laughs> okay, before we wrap up, and I'm really sad that the time just flew by, I wanna ask you one last question which is what is making your heart beat faster? Wow, what is making my heart beat faster? I mean, other than seeing me. <laughs> other than being here. Um, <laughs> recently, I've been helping a lot of people with salary negotiations. And, you know, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or just posting content on LinkedIn and having a complete stranger that I've never spoken to before, say you know i used your strategy i used your process and i got x percent or x thousand more and this is like life-changing for me and my family or i never thought i was worth this much 
a hundred percent feeds my weak ego. Like I love the validation. I'm I'm not even gonna be like, oh, I'm a, no, it's hundred percent my weak ego and and validation seeking part of my my self esteem. Just absolutely loves that. That makes my heart beat. And you know that's the reason why I've kind of doubled down a little bit more on salary negotiations recently, and and helping people pitch for their worth, but also make those significant increases that help them, you know, feel more comfortable about their their family, their little one that they're raising, or they can uh, send some money to their parents. Like that's the kind of stuff that makes my heart beat, and and why I continue to do what I do. That's wonderful. I love that. Thank you. I literally have goosebumps. And you know I'm cold as ice, so I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on the, the podcast today. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.